Hello everyone, welcome back to the Let the Dead Bury Their Own Dead podcast. I'm your host, Alex Harris. Today, the lesson's name is The Cost of Discipleship. This is part one in a three-part series, uh, and if you're hearing this, I should have at least part two up by now, uh, and part three should roll in uh, soon after. Uh, I don't know what episode number this is. I've lost track, and, and frankly, I don't care. But today's message is really, really important, so I'm just going to dive right in. Abba, I pray that you'd give me the words to say and that this would accurately reflect your word. In your son's name I pray, amen. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Part of understanding Jesus' message is that he wasn't starting a new religion. He told stories, commandments, and parables that acted as a map to finding the way of holiness. That's what it's called in the Old Testament when God promises this new covenant. A personal relationship with the Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. Knowing Him not as distant and silent or even over in a temple, but as intimate and engaged. The only way to finding the treasure is to go hunting. It's very active. It's not something you hear once passively and just make a mental agreement with. You have to go hunting using the map. The treasure is not something that you'll need to be persuaded to take, but it's something so obviously valuable, nothing else compares. Now, don't fear the initial confusion of this teaching, especially if you haven't even begun to dig or haven't found it yet. Just keep looking with faithfulness. This is where this is where faith comes in. You have to have faith. You have to believe that this is out there because otherwise the map's not useful to you if you're not looking for it. Now, a large crowd was traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, do you remember the original parable, the the treasure in the field? This is an essential part of sanctification, separating and prioritizing this new treasure more than anything else that you treasure, more than your opinions, more than your traditions, more than your resources, more than your family, more than your honor, and especially more than your own life. Now, it's going to take me a second. Let me get to Mark chapter 1 verse 14. I guess I'm old-fashioned, but I'm using my my paper copy for this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Wow. You know, sometimes I wonder if it was easier for the disciples to literally leave their families, their futures, jobs, and savings to follow Jesus back then than it is for us when we commit to not lose everything at once, but have to lose little by little through servitude, discipline, and other callings. 
Now I'm going to go back to Luke in chapter 9 here for the next part. We're going to be in verse 57. And as always in the, in the description for the podcast is all of the scripture passages. I'm going a little fast, but, but just keep up. I, I like to let the scripture speak for itself. You don't need my opinion. Uh, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What is putting your hand to the plow? Well, it's proclaiming the kingdom of God. It's going out and making disciples. Whenever you begin, this becomes your priority. Now, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said, Come, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of all Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. And he added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending and descending on the Son of Man. These things, prophecy, miracles, and the like, still happen today for those that are a true citizen of Israel, the kingdom of God. If you choose to seek the treasure of all truth and sell your falsehood with joy and urgency until in you there's nothing false like Nathaniel, you'll see greater things than you ever thought possible. Now, the process of changing your falsehood into truth is how God begins to build His dwelling inside of you. As you know, it's not by your own power that you draw near to God and begin this transformation, but it's by God and His sovereign will. So this begs the question, why doesn't everybody who claims the name of Jesus get to this place? Now, for this, we go back to Luke 14, where we were talking about the cost of being a disciple, about hating everything in comparison to the radical love that you have for God. So, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't he first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? If he lays the foundation, like, you know, Jesus Christ, and isn't able to finish it, like the rest of the dwelling... Everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, naturally, if God's building a dwelling in you, you'll wonder about exactly what is that dwelling. And for that, Paul has a great description about laying the foundation and building the dwelling for God inside of you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.
Now, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and somebody else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. No one can lay any foundation other than one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And a quick note, as it was said in Luke 14, you'll notice a lot of people claim the name of Jesus and, and they feel his love and whatnot and, and say that they're saved. But um, you'll notice the difference between the ones who are actually called to walk the whole journey and the ones who are, are, are stunted in their maturity and don't exactly bear fruit. Uh, the difference is they have a little bit of Jesus Christ, like, you know, the love part, but they don't have the whole foundation of who he is as the word of God. They know him by name, but they don't know his character because if they knew his character, then they'd give up everything they had and followed him instead of just sitting back with one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. Well, I'll continue. Uh, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, straw, or hay, his work will be shown for what it is, because judgment day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss... Uh, And that person will still be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and His Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Don't deceive yourselves. If anyone thinks he's wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so he may become really wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, Christ of God. So God has to be picky about making sure the ones that he's chosen will bear fruit. You're sent to be his cream of the wheat on the earth, and that comes with a lot of responsibility. One of these responsibilities is actually working out in the field. Now, let's just read the Great Commission as it's stated in Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Abba, the Father, and of the Son, Yahusha, and of the Holy Spirit, Ruach, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, baptizing them into the name of God by the gospel of Jesus Christ is the first step. Now, another is to disciple them, teaching them what God commands us. Have faith, because although it's your choice to work whenever you share the gospel, Uh, or teach a brother in the same way that you can hold back. And if God says, go share this word with somebody or or approach this person, you can say, no, Lord, I'm too scared. Uh, It's your choice in that respect. But how effective it is whenever you go to make that approach, it's all by God's power. It doesn't rest on your shoulders, which that's a great confidence that we can have because if it was by our power, we, we couldn't do anything. Now, Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was for your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In all circumstances, be knowledgeable of the Holy Spirit. He is a personhood of God named Ruach. It's He who gives you personal growth and success in ministry. For those of you who are baptized, but of whom it is true in Acts 8, verse 15 and 16, where he said they had been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. All you have to do is ask the Father. Now, in Luke 11, where Jesus is talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer, where his disciples say, Rabbi, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Uh, he, he gives them the Lord's Prayer, and then afterwards he goes into uh, uh, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. And he says this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, Jesus talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, uh, and he gives a, a very concise description when he's talking about this counselor of truth. Uh, when, he, when he talks about Ruach in, in John 14, we're going into verse 15. Now, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, in these first two lines, he just says, you don't get the Holy Spirit unless you truly call me Lord. Not only am I your savior, you have to do what I command, right? He gave everything at the cross. You give everything to him at baptism. And if you don't mean what you say, you're not going to have the Holy Spirit. Now, let me continue. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. For I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world won't see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? You see, they were expecting a Messiah that was going to reveal himself to the whole world and conquer, kind of like our idea of the second coming today. Now, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. This must be important. He said it three times. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me won't obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken to you while I was still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, you heard me say, I'm going away, and then I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now, before it happens, so when it does happen, you'll believe. 
I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father commands me. Now, come, let us leave. The Holy Spirit is essential for what the most critical season of your lives will be, sanctification. He who weeds out falsehood and sows truth is building a temple for the Holy Spirit's own dwelling within you on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, this is the final passage I'm going to have in this talk, and this really sums up all of it. From looking for the treasure in the field to, as we see in this passage, participating in the divine nature by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises, so through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone doesn't have them, he's nearsighted and blind. He's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election secure. If you do these things, you will never fall. You'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to leave off for this part of the cost of discipleship. Amen and amen from everlasting to everlasting. Peace be with you. Shalom.